0: Um, so one of the things that we want to do uh, each week in this class, if we can, is sort of a little news of the week item that relates in some way to the class. One of the things that you may have seen on Facebook this week is um, a bunch of your friends posting about a new Facebook algorithm that purportedly limited your feed to really the same few people. Uh, and some of them it said about 25, some of them it was very specific, it said 26 people and the posts invariably ask you to leave a quick comment. Uh, Some of them went so far as to say don't like this, it's not about liking or sharing, it's about leaving a comment, um, so that it will tell Facebook to uh, let me see your posts. And this this was kind of a weird thing because it was about half true. There is a new Facebook algorithm, Um, And it does make comments more important than likes or shares in in terms of determining who you see and who sees you on Facebook. But the the thing that the algorithm actually does is it it decreases the number of organic business posts that you see. So if you're seeing things from businesses now, those are pretty much all paid for at this point. Um, even if it's a page of a business or a service or a, an actor or a band that you like, you're not going to see those posts anymore unless unless they pay for them or one of your friends shares them because it's emphasizing getting posts from friends and family. Doesn't have anything to do with 25 or six people, 25 or 26 people. But the way the algorithm is going to work is it's going to show you. More of the posts that you engage, more from people that you engage with, mm-hmm. or more posts from people that your friends and people like you are engaging with. So if there's somebody that gets into lots of discussions where the comments threads just go on for days and there are a hundred comments, you're going to see those posts over and over and over again where you did not see them before. The other benefit of this is that you are more likely now to see major life events from people that you did not see before. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that, that Facebook was starting to get is um, concerns that Facebook friends were dying and people weren't hearing the news because it wasn't folks that they had engaged with because, you know, for example, they had been so sick they had been off Facebook. Uh, if, if you will notice now over the last couple of weeks in the next few weeks, if people have a baby, change a job, uh, somebody dies in the family, they get engaged, you're a lot more likely to see those posts from people that you don't hear from otherwise than you used to be than you used to be. I suspect also that you are seeing uh, fewer posts that are getting the, uh, the little angry reaction emoji. <laughs> because one of the specific things that this new algorithm does is it's, it's trying to make you feel better about spending time on Facebook. And so I suspect if they're trying to make you feel better about spending time on Facebook, they're trying to make you less angry, mm-hmm. uh, which I think will also help the device's political posts. But one of the other things that the algorithm does specifically is that they've said that they are downgrading posts that ask people to like this post, or share this post. <laughs> and so what this meme actually is, is an attempt to circumvent the new algorithm by, and because and because some of these actually said, don't like it, don't share it, leave a quick comment. So they're, they're trying to circumvent the algorithm by instead of asking for a like or share, asking for a comment. So it, it was it was very interesting to me to watch this happen this week because the one thing because I got to watch the new algorithm work because the one thing that the algorithm did if you posted this it told the algorithm that you like posts about algorithms and so (laughs) if you posted this you probably saw post after post after post about this algorithm (laughs) and so this that sort of thing will be very interesting in in a couple of weeks when we get into uh, the whole concept of fake news and how to deal with that—it's um, basically what this is—is—is um, is, is this is this is how what happened with this this week is how fake news work. In fact, I actually saw a um, kind of a conspiracy theory spreading that this might actually have been the first volley in the 2018 midterm elections that people were gathering databases of people gullible enough to spread fake news. So I, I just wanted to share you share a little bit of the behind the scenes story on what the Facebook algorithm is actually about. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying if you're trying to fight the man, you're doing exactly what? The <laughs> you, to do. Yeah. If if, if 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 you if you were concerned about this, yeah. if, if you were concerned about the spread of fake news and you posted this, you got played.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's. Um, that's really uh, a big part of what we're talking about in this class, I yeah. think. And um, so I wanna jump back and kind of try to lay some groundwork for my, maybe how we think about uh, some of the big picture issues. And then I want to like, li- try out a challenge um, at the end of the class and see, see where we might end up with that. So what I wanna talk about uh, today is what the Bible has to say about technology which I think is a maybe a weird kind of thing for most people because the Bible is ancient and technology is modern, right? So I'm going to start out, just um, throw this out there. What technology is part of your everyday life? You know, like television, computers, that kind of thing, that kind of sure. or specific apps, or... Okay, uh, television, computers, um, like... it. telephones... Okay. Yeah, so electronic electronics, uh, what, what else, automobiles. automobiles, okay, what else, indoor plumbing, indoor plumbing. yes, <laughs> that is one of the technologies that has had the most profound effect on human life in the last century.
0: And air conditioning.
1: Yeah, like yeah, air conditioning.
0: Indoor
1: plumbing, air conditioning, like I, the iPhone. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, electric lights, yeah, what else? Transportation. Yeah, transportation. We've got automobiles, public transportation, we've got bicycles, Th- those are <laughs> pretty handy. Yeah? Anything, any Any other big technologies that Anything
0: are... Anything indoor, I mean, like stoves, mm-hmm. or gas ranges,
1: or... Yeah, cooking food in this very technological way, right? Uh, microwave ovens. Yeah, yeah.
0: Medicine.
1: Medicine, yeah, big one. Hammers. Hammers, yeah. yeah 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 so there's there's nuclear technology huge uh world impacts there's uh there's killer drones right like this is kind of a a thing that people are looking at now um yeah lots of kind of warfare technology huge huge stuff Food? food yeah food production uh yeah over the last century we've dramatically escalated the amount of food we can produce per acre uh, with huge effects on on the world, right? Fake food, Fake food yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've changed the kind of food we're eating, yeah. Um, what else? Any, any other big technologies? I, uh, uh, w- one thing maybe to think about is, is clothing, right? Like, we're, we're all wearing clothing, uh, which is a huge technology. It's a huge global production um and our clothes are often very different from what maybe people were wearing a hundred years ago right glasses Glasses, yeah Yeah, right yeah emily talks about that all the time um that yeah what would happen if all of a sudden all our glasses broken and we were like in some kind of post-apocalyptic wasteland we would you know all of us would die so um, yeah, so there are, there are profound life-saving and life-enhancing technologies that are a part of our everyday world. Uh, wh- one other I want to throw out is uh, pen and paper, right? Uh, if you're reading a book, if you've got notebooks, if you ever write, writing itself, that's a technology that somebody came up with, right? So, okay, so what technologies are you aware of that show up in the Bible? roads okay it's a huge one uh where where would that play in well, the road to damascus mm-hmm. um, jesus's travels around nazareth yeah even in the old testament um i mean you go from wandering in the wilderness to yeah
0: you know kingdom you know roads and pathways
1: to yeah it's huge huge thing about the travels there paul's missionary journeys are all enabled by this roman network of roads that crosses the known world Right. Um, so start with clothing. Yeah. I think
0: probably the first technology.
1: Yeah. There you go. <clears throat> clothing. What next? Wells. Wells. OK. Yeah. Get get water. That shows up in uh, in the Exodus account, too. Like or the at least how do we find water? How do we get water out of the ground? How do we purify water um, that's contaminated? Yeah.
0: So probably go from clothes to weapons.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You
0: get construction by Noah. Yes.
1: Yeah. What what else? Any any other oh, Iron Age. Okay. Mhm. Yeah, what might be some specific things in that? Like
0: swords and ploughshares.
1: Swords and ploughshares, you've got Gold. what's that? Gold. Gold yeah. Chariots. Chariots. Yeah, there's a lot of like um, there's a lot of talk about chariots, right? Which I think Josh has talked about being like the uh, the nukes of their time, right? This is the ultimate weapon that people had, this, uh, you know, these kinds of things. I mean, currency. Yeah, currency is yeah, it's huge. Um, go, changing from bartering to society, society to where you can do all these other kinds of things. Methods of harvesting. What's up? Yeah, harvesting. Yeah, so that's kind of like a background of a lot of what goes on. Um, and um, yeah, the, the way agriculture has developed has dramatically affected a lot of human civilization. Um, a lot of people attribute agriculture uh, as one of the causes of slavery because before agriculture, it wasn't profitable to have slaves. But after agriculture, now you could make a lot of money off of having... Having slaves who could support a large number of other people, so that kind of is a background to the Exodus story. Yeah. Any other? Any other obvious technologies that show up? Building. Well, uh, what? Building. building. Yep. Yeah. Lots of building. Okay. Let's so. Let's jump into some of these uh, things. So, wh- where do you think the first, like the very first kind of instance of technology? Uh, in the Bible is? The fig leaves. Fig leaves. Okay, interesting. So yeah, so they're sewing those together to make to make clothes, right? And we just talked about clothes as technology. Any other ideas? I
0: would say before fig leaves
1: language okay. is, uh, is naming the animals. Yes, naming the animals, which is a significant, a really significant move, right? That's what uh, a lot of the moves in science were about, right? As like we name and categorize all these different species. Um, the fact that we name ourselves Homo sapiens, right? They, that's part of the scientific process. What, what else? Any other ideas? Okay. I kind of went back to ancient thinking about hieroglyphs for people were paper they used to Yeah, writing is a big thing. Obviously, we wouldn't have the Bible without writing, right? What? Uh, another? I was made a oh yeah. Electric gate. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gates like that should do shop. Um, any? Yeah. Okay. Um, so here's here's where I think maybe technology starts. Um, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. So this is the first job given to humanity, right? Is to cultivate the garden. So think about that. What are they going to use to cultivate the garden? How are they going to cultivate? I'm assuming that they're going to have to create some plows, create some kind of, I don't know, pruning shears some some kind of gardening tools, right? I think that's the implication of this language is that the garden is not something they just sit around in it's something they're actively cultivating and protecting, tending and keeping um, and that's going to require their own effort and their own kind of creativity right does that does that make sense yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, they have they have a role in this, right? They they have an active role, and um, that's part of that's part of what it, it means to be human in this. So i I've, I've recently been reading um, Francis Bacon, who is the inventor of the scientific method back in the sixteen hundreds. And what a lot of people don't realize is that he invented the scientific method, he directly attributes that to the Bible. Like he read the Bible and got the scientific method as an extrapolation from the Bible. And so what he said is it actually goes back, he goes back one chapter earlier, he goes back to Genesis one. And he reads Genesis one as telling us God's creative process. This isn't just kind of like a a history, it's actually the process that God goes through in his creation and cultivation of the world. He says, let the earth bring forth vegetation, and then later he invites humanity into that. He gives them the same kind of cultivating job, and they are to help the earth produce vegetation, right? So this is what Genesis one says about the creation of human beings. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature, so that they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings, He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them, prosper, reproduce, fill earth, take charge. Be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Bacon read this as being an instruction for us to go out and cultivate the world. And he believed that required us to engage in science and technology. That that was an active thing that we needed to do, not just um that there are lots of creatures here for us to enjoy, but that we're supposed to actively help those creatures flourish. right that we have a role in the environment of the world that's not just passive but actually is an active caretaking, protecting and advancing role. And that's part of the foundation of, of where all, a lot of our science comes from, right is this, Kind of conviction, so I, I think this idea that th- we have this active, creative role participating in the cultivating work of God is a big theme in the Scripture. D- does that make sense uh, to you guys, or does that seem does that seem wrong? I, so I think we'll, we'll take a look at some of the, the places this maybe plays out. One of the things that I think is interesting, going from like this kind of theoretical um, idea, very quickly, uh, the Bible starts talking about very practical things. So uh, this passage, Ada gave birth to Jabel. He was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who play stringed instruments and pipes. Zillah also had a son, Tubal-Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Right, so Genesis, the Bible has this same impulse that we do, um, maybe, you know, thinking about... Um, Uh, Alexander Graham Bell or Thomas Edison or George Washington Carver, people who invented these great things like light bulbs or telephones or peanut butter. And um, we want to name them, right? We want to say, oh, this is the person who brought about this invention, right? And the Bible does the same thing. Like it names these people and it kind of Um, It recognizes their contribution to these new ways of living in the world, these new ways of coming up with instruments and artwork, right, Um, and new kinds of tools, right? These kinds of things are recognized. This is what humanity does as they go out. They start creating these kinds of implements. Um, And uh, so I I think that real practical um, focus up in a lot of other places and we'll look at it um, in a minute here but um, yeah so some of the things that were talked about there uh, just highlights from from genesis we talked about the name and categorize it, which is part of the scientific process the animals are brought to adam to name right this starts very early so next question what is the biggest technology in the bible <laughs> What's the biggest piece of technology?
0: Tower of Babel. Okay. I mean, cities? Yeah. Conceptually. Yeah. Because that's what you're going from as a garden to a city.
1: Yeah. Yeah. we got cities, Tower of Babel. Any others?
0: I mean, unless you're looking at language, like Walter's idea. Yeah.
1: You can see the widespread use of roads or language as being some of the, these big, big, big technologies. Um, one of the candidates, I think, for the biggest technology in the Bible, depending on how you're measuring, um, is this, right? So, um, maybe, maybe you'd recognize it better like this, right? Uh, so, This is the, this is a story that uh, we call Noah and the Ark, right, which comes very soon in Genesis. It's one of the first stories. Um, uh, I like to call it uh, Noah and the world's largest technological artifact, right? Because this, uh, as the story presents it, has got to be the biggest thing constructed in the world at the time, right? And we actually um, have an interesting account of, of the details of this thing. Um, How many of you are aware that there are many different versions of the Noah story in other cultures and other religions? Like this is something you've heard? Uh, um, Have you ever looked into any of those at all? Somebody can tell me if, if I'm wrong on this, but I think one of the things that I've noticed that's different between some of these different accounts is that most of the accounts in the world don't really give details about the size of the boat. But the Noah's Ark story does, right? It gives us uh, these kind of dimensions for it. It gives some precise details. It's 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high, which is approximately 450 feet by 75 feet by 45 feet. Based on our best estimations, it's three stories made out of wood and pitch. Um, This is how people have sized it relative to other ships that we've seen, right? This is uh, presented as a big, very big boat, right? And um, it's constructed for what purpose? Salvation? Salvation. Yeah, survival of the species. survival of, of humanity, the species of humanity, but also survival of all these other kinds of animals, and which is why it's said to be so big, because presumably all these animals have to fit in. The, what I've seen in other accounts, and maybe other people have better perception on this, there's not nearly the focus on the animals, and thus there's not nearly the focus on the size. But we focus so much on the idea that God brought all these animals to Noah for him to take care of, right? To preserve and protect so that he could engage in the same work that Adam had been commissioned to do to cultivate and protect the life of the world, right? And as Walter brought up, this is the Bible's first story of redemption. This is the story of salvation when you look in the New Testament and it talk it gives these like salvation stories. It uses this as its prime like archetypal metaphor for what salvation looks like, what the redemption of God looks like. Right? So this is a very significant story, and it's interesting because it, it involves the work of God, the work of humanity, the work of humanity taking care of creation through its technology. Um, it's a very comprehensive story. A lot of different elements are going on here. Any, any thoughts on, on any of that? Does that does any of that make sense or sound sound wrong, to you? No. Okay. So, wh- anybody remember what the next story in line is? Tower of Babel. I like to call this uh, this whole section uh, a, a tale of two construction projects, right? Because we have. Uh, the powerful story of redemption and then this powerful story of something else, right? So what is the Tower of Babel story um, actually telling us? Um, what does it e- evoke? What, what are your thoughts, How, what are your interpretations or understandings or thoughts about the Tower of Babel story? Okay. Yeah. What what were those special instructions? Do you have a thought about that?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. To do something great. Yes, it's, it seems there, there's some levels of arrogance in there, maybe. There's some other things going on. Any other thoughts about what's going on in the story? I guess Tower of is like humanity just getting too big for its bridges. Okay. Yeah.
0: But it, but it also speaks to the potential when everybody's on the same page.
1: Yes, it does. Um, yeah, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Um,
0: yeah, it's a dovetail off that where, you know, you could, you could fool yourself into thinking you have no need for God because of the good okay. things we yeah. can do. Yeah.
1: Hmm? Skynet. Skynet, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, 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 there you go. Well, let me, let me... Um, uh, read the part of the story real quick and then um, maybe pull out something else. Before that, um, does anybody remember the first thing that God says to Noah when he leaves the ark? Mm. What's that? There's something... There's some, there's some stuff about remembrance. We'll come back to that. Um, so here's the Tower of Babel story. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the skies so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So why did the people want to build the tower?
0: Yeah, because, well, yeah, yeah, because they could, but also to, to, to keep them all together.
1: Yeah, so let's go, go back, right? <laughs> so let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the skies so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth, right? To make God
0: look greater. Right. Yeah. That's yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they, they want everybody to stay here, right? They don't want everybody to go out. Now, yeah, like, this is a big project that everybody's working on together, right? And they're going to use this project so that they stick together, they don't diversify, they don't spread out, they don't do other things. And what happens after God introduces diversity into the human species, right? Well, they... From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth, right? God's solution to this problem of what they're bringing is that God introduces diversity of languages. And so now they go out and they spread into all the earth. They're scattered over the face of the whole earth. Well, what did God um, tell them when they left the ark? This is what he said to Adam. This is what he said to Eve. This is what he said to Noah over and over again. Be fruitful and multiply, fill, uh, increase the in number, and fill the earth. They did not want to do the, the thing that God had given them to do, right? God had, as they're coming out of the ark, said, do this. And they said, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be scattered over the whole earth. That's not the plan we have in mind. We're going to come up with this other solution Instead, we're gonna build ourselves a tower so we don't have to go and do the thing that God asked us to do.
0: So this was God's way of changing the
1: algorithm. Right, <laughs> yes, <laughs> they, yeah, they were optimizing for a wrong result and God tweaked the, uh, the thing there, yeah. Right, so, so we, this shows us like two different technological projects, one which God says to Noah, I want you to help cultivate the life of the world to help care for and protect creation, using your technology to do this. That's what I want you to do. Noah does it, Noah is faithful. That's the Bible's first story of redemption. And then immediately afterwards, we have a group of people who say, that's not what we want to do. Instead, we want to pursue this pre- project and this plan. And they build this tower. Yeah. Not much so
0: not
1: Yeah. We're also commanded to yeah. kinda of have a sense community yes. to live to show each other through God's but also it's kind of almost like it's saying, Go out through the earth, but the most people should be in any one place is that Like some mounts okay, so, and Yeah, so uh, um short short circuiting a lot of great, interesting conversation. I think the story actually doesn't end with Babel. It's actually finished on the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, what we see is that all of a sudden they can speak to everyone, right? So introducing diversity of languages was God's answer to this kind of tyrannical anti-God plan that these people came up with. But that diversity of languages also had the downside of fracturing human community, right? But we can get that back through the spirit of God, which is what happens at Pentecost. Pentecost restores the ability to have that human unity without the kind of anti-God tyranny that's involved in the Tower of Babel. And it doesn't do that by erasing their diversity, but by allowing them to appreciate and communicate across it. Does that make sense? Yeah?
0: Are, you, are, you, are we saying that by definition, the like the idea is antipical to like, build a tower?
1: Well, life? I don't think I don't think so. I mean, you know, how high is too high, right? Are we? I'm pretty sure we've built taller towers than they were built with their bricks and, and uh, tar, right? Like we have better technology for building towers now. I'm pretty sure we got we got higher than them, and God didn't, you know, apparently intervene to stop that, right? God didn't say stop at this tower building. I think what was happening there is God had a mission. These people were supposed to spread into all the earth. That was the first human mission, and they were rejecting that mission, just like Jonah did, right? Just like all these people have throughout history. They said, I don't like that plan. I'm going to go with a different plan. And so it's not that tower building itself is a bad thing. It's that is are our towers part of God's purposes or against them? Look
0: at the first thing that they said why they were doing it even before they said to keep us from getting scattered mm-hmm. is that we want to make a name for ourselves. Yeah. And I think the takeaway is it's always a good idea to be wary of people who are trying to make a name for themselves.
1: Yeah. That's that's a um nefarious purpose perhaps, right? Like it's at least it's a questionable purpose. Yeah. Just, just keep an yeah. Eye on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> is it possibly that it's, you know, God acting in a parental role? Make a name for yourself? Fine. We'll make a name for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, yeah. You know, we'll and they got these, a name. And, and, and
0: they we got a name. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's
1: a really good, yeah, that's a good point. And yeah. to be capricious or evil, but to, you
0: know, there's things that I let my daughters do so right. that they can
1: learn. You probably don't want to do that again. Right. Yeah, I think the, the early chapters of Genesis are very much set up in this kind of parenting thing, right, where God is like, okay, I want you to grow into a healthy adult civilization or species, and that means you're gonna have to stop this dead-end idea that you've got right here, right? Like, if you never leave Babel, which is your plan, you're never gonna become the human species as I intend for you to become, right? So, yeah, it's very much a parenting thing. Like, we're gonna, you know, put put the child gate up right now, like, you know. So, yeah, later you can build your towers, but, you know, do it, do it in a different way. Um, okay, so I want to uh, talk about one more piece of technology, uh, which is the temple, right? So there's different uh, depictions of the temple, and before that, um, the tabernacle. And... Um, we have all kinds uh, of, of these depictions, all kinds of these accounts, um, all kinds of reconstructions. If you look online, you can find all kinds of things like this, which measure it out, which give the, like, the blueprints of, of this stuff um, in, in exquisite detail. So why, do we, why are we able to reconstruct this kind of thing in this detail now? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. The the instructions are laid out in the Bible, like very, very precisely. If you read through Exodus and then the accounts of the building of the temple, it spends chapters and chapters detailing things like the rings on the curtains and the nature of like how they're going to construct this particular uh, piece, this element, all this kinds of stuff. You know, and. Um, So why is that so important? Why is it important enough? Like this is the kind of part of the Bible that we tend to like, you know, speed read through because it's maybe really boring. You know, it's just like a bunch of technical details. Uh, Why why is it there? Why does it take up so much space? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Figure out yeah.
0: <laughs> and I mean, and sort of the basic level of that, you do need parts to speak to everybody.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Some people, some people like the instruction manual
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, this was the first way that God was going to communicate with his people. Yeah. This is the original iPhone. Yeah. That, I, I like it. that's That's. you're you're exactly right. This is a communication technology, right? This is, um, you, the different, different pictures you'll see will show like a beam of glory coming up from here because that's how it's depicted in some places is like the presence of God is essentially beaming into this and they are communicating with God through this, through this thing, right? There's the Ark of the Covenant that's there. There's all this stuff. This is how the priests communicate with God. This is how the whole community communicates with God. The New Testament shows us that every element of this actually has a kind of symbolic meaning, too, that's also communicating things to us in a spiritual way. A um, book of Hebrews explains that at length, right? So this is a communication technology. They didn't really have the Bible when they were building this. This is how they were communicating with God, right? This is, yeah, this is the Israelite uh, first, first communication technology, perhaps, right? Um, so I think in the, all these details, like all that attention to detail is really interesting. Um, one thing that uh, comes out is that it focuses on the people who actually do the building and their artistry. So, this is one passage. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom and understanding and knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, and cutting jewels for setting, and carving wood, and to work all manner of workmanship. And indeed, I have appointed him with Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all I have commanded you. So, here, this talks about his skill and attributes it to the Spirit of God indwelling him, right? The Spirit of God working through him in this artistic and technological way to create this thing that is going to be central to the life of the Jewish people. I think a lot of times we separate our like technological and scientific and material world from our spiritual world and the Bible doesn't do that, right? The Bible bridges those things. So we're, we're almost out of time, I wanna give one more kind of scripture and I think it points to what God's dream is Uh, and where technology actually plays in that. And uh, you brought it up earlier. Uh, This is from the book of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah has this vision of people saying, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations. He will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares. And their spears into pruning hooks. I like the way the message says this, which is they'll turn their swords into shovels, their spears into hoes, right? This is the dream of God, as presented in Isaiah, is that humanity will take their technology that they've used for destruction and they'll turn it back into technology that they can use to cultivate the world as God originally intended. So this is where I think, this is my takeaway, and I'm interested in in your guys' opinions, but this is what I think we have maybe a a job to do, is not to, um, to, Decide necessarily oh this is a good technology this is a bad technology but we have to decide can we take the technologies we have that maybe we're currently using in destructive and damaging ways and can we transform them into forces for good and the cultivation of life in the world I don't know what do you think? Is that too, too ambitious? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I think that's doable, and I think you know, we haven't touched on this a lot, but the whole case we've laid out here um, underscores the fact that uh, care for the earth and our objective of cultivating and um, stewarding creation is first and foremost a theological issue, and that you know, recently has been hijacked into the political universe. Mm-hmm. Because we do have to have some conversation about it in a socio, you know, social kind of environment, but mm-hmm. so it is not a political issue; it is a theological issue. Yeah. God's people should always be on the side of cultivating and stewarding and sharing resources and using the technologies that we have for the for the betterment of all of creation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What I, what I love about what I see in the Bibles version of this, vision of this, is that um, it doesn't put things in opposition, right? It's not technology opposed to the environment, opposed to humanity. You know, it's not one destroying the other. It's that all of these are working together, right? They all play uh, a significant role. I was just going to say, turning back to our internet connection, said yeah um, that idea of spreading useful information yeah. Yeah
0: like that's the the
1: positive possibility, but the fact that we're kind of corrupted with also sharing all this darkness and hatred yeah. and anger and tearing things down and or doing things out of motives which are just to raise up our sales pridefulness right, and maybe just to enrich ourselves to increase, Right. I think there's a parallel there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean we could do it almost Yeah. We literally could share the good news around the world for today. Yeah. Now I don't I don't mean in the way that's gonna transform it that takes time. But yeah. obviously getting plenty of seed. Right. We, we have the technology now to do it.
1: We have We're we have Yeah, we have power for, for great good and great evil, right? Like we have we have that
0: ability.
1: Yeah. Yeah. had something? No, okay. Any other, any, any other thoughts? All right, so it, along with this theme and connecting to our kind of social media algorithm questions, um, maybe um, I wanna kind of issue a challenge and an experiment. Um, so we know that uh, we've talked about how our social media kind of reflects back to us, choices we make, things we focus on, things like that. Um, so let's see if we can hack that a little bit. Um, over the next week, if we like post three positive things, and let's say no negative things, right? see if that changes what you experience in your feed right now versus what you experience by next week. So I'll do that, uh, I would challenge you to do that, and I'll be very interested in seeing what what you observe, if anything. Maybe you don't see any change, maybe you see significant change, maybe it's subtle, maybe it's other things. I'd, I'd love to hear about that. Um, so you guys up for that? Yes, okay, all right, thanks very much.